0: This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Padre. and once again, we're recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a gifted comedy writer and actor who has written for popular TV shows such as Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Invader Sim. And the Drew Carey Show. And appeared in programs like Totally Biased with Camus Bell. Kamel. Kamel <laughs> Bell. Oh, God. I think I fucked up about 12 <laughs> names so far. Sven Gulli. You got S- that one. Yeah. Space Hospital. And Cinematic Titanic. He's also had a recurring role in the aforementioned Sabrina the Teenage Witch as the baby-turned-adult Rudy Kazutti. But he's best known to audiences as TV's Frank, the villainous but beloved henchman and lab assistant on the long-running and wildly successful Comedy Central series... Mystery Science Fiction Theater. No, no. Mystery <laughs> Science, <laughs> Science Theater. Science <laughs> Theater. This might take another week. <laughs> A show he also wrote for for five seasons. Currently, he's the co-host of the online series and podcast Cartoon Dump. And he performs all over the country with his old MST co-star, Tracy Bellew. Close. <laughs> Trace, <laughs> Tracy Bellew in the Man's Her Back tour. He can also be heard every day as the co-host of John Fugel sangs, I pronounced that name correctly, Tell Me Everything, on Sirius Radio. And his latest books are called Tax v. Conniff and 25 Mystery Science Theater 3000 Films That Changed My Life in No Way Whatsoever please welcome to the show an artist of multiple talents and a man frequently compelled for reasons known only to him to bring up the name Sid Melton, (laughs) our pal Frank Conniff. Okay, uh, this, this is in your book. And uh, we 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 have to get this out of the way. Yeah, but we're not going to make him read the title again. <laughs> no, no. Okay, now you mentioned Sid Melton. Yes. And, and I've 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 met Sid Melton. Oh, you have a couple of. Th- oh. I've been at his house. Really? Yeah, I played That's with amazing. his dog. Mm-hmm. He had a house right by the airport. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, in it, in this part. You say uh, we have been put on alert that in all likelihood there was going to be a Sid Melton reference in the book. (laughs) We assumed it would be tied in somehow with his work with Danny Thomas or maybe even his daughter Marlo Thomas, a feminist icon who smashed through a glass coffee table. <laughs> now That's what you seized upon in the book. Yes, yes. Now, I'm totally unfamiliar <laughs> <laughs> with this, and I need to be educated. Would you please tell us about Danny Thomas <laughs> and a glass coffee well, table? I'm only
1: hearing um, from, you know, who knows if it's true or not. It's <laughs> just a rumor. Uh-huh. Um, That uh, Danny Thomas, in his heyday, um, enjoyed um, uh, paying women to come to his house or wherever, and he would sit under a glass coffee table, and then they would sit on top of it. And uh, delicately put it that they would go to the bathroom, uh-huh. and that was what he. And if that's what he's into, God, God bless, bless him. Yeah, you, you know <laughs> They fine. would drop
0: a dump. <laughs> yes, on
1: the glass. That's, uh, that's all all I knew. Uh. And because I always would have thought Uncle Tanous would be the one to weird <laughs> yes. shit.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, now I heard a variation uh-huh. that sometimes Danny Thomas <laughs> would dress as a priest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. While we, he did this. We heard this. And, and, um,. <laughs> I'm a Jew and I'm offended. <laughs> yeah,
1: why well, bring a religion into it? <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> it should really just be a personal thing. But you know what? God, oh, he did, did so much great stuff for Saint, Saint sure. Jude Hospital. A great humanitarian. Absolutely. If that made him happy, God bless. Yes. Him. yes. yeah. Yes. Muzzle mm-hmm. top. <laughs> <laughs> muzzle top, actually. <laughs> he was a muzzle bottom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the book is terrific by the way. Oh, we'll thank plug it you again so at the much. end, but I want to say it is, you. it is an absolute page turner and for fans of this podcast, you must get Frank's book.
0: Now, mm. uh, one one movie you mentioned in Santa a Cl- uh, movie Santa Claus Conquers the Martians.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> which unfortunately has a spoiler in the title, you know, it tells <laughs> you right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, that movie I we did that movie on Mystery Science Theater and we did it uh, we did a whole different riff of it. Uh, with Cinematic Titanic. But that's a movie I actually saw when it came out in, like, nineteen sixty. You saw it as a kid? As a kid, With Pia Zadora, young yes. Pia Young Pia Zadora, young Pia Zadora yeah. um, who even as a kid, I looked at her and I said, she should get a
0: Golden Globe Award.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you knew. <laughs>
0: now, what was her husband's name again? It the was some... Oh, he was... It, was it he a, was a chic m- of some he kind? He was a you...
1: billionaire yeah. or, or a multimillionaire. Yeah. And I And I, I can't pronounce his name because I'm anti-Semitic, but... Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, you know, she won a Golden Globe Award like in the 70s yes. or something for most promising newcomer. From and the movie it was Butterfly? always, yes. Yeah. And it was always just, um, conventional wisdom that people thought that he bought it for her, you know. Right. But, uh, I'm not going to say that. You know, maybe she was great in Butterfly. And I, I haven't I, I seen think God, bless he
0: financed every one of them. Yeah, her he movies. financed
1: all her movies and, um, uh yeah, so uh, she ended up um, marrying well, but she did start as a child
0: actress who was in yeah. uh, Santa Claus Conquest of the Martians. And I think in Butterfly, which someone described as the uh, the the size of stars, both in talent and mm-hmm. in physical stature, in Butterfly she co-stars with Orson Welles.
1: Yes. Who he thought the movie was called Butterfly Shrimp? <laughs> 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 that's why he got uh, on board with it. Let but me get yeah, the tote it had, board here. Orson Welles was in it, but uh, you know, greatest filmmaker of all time. But if you could meet his quote, you could get him in a movie. Absolutely, you know.
0: And and so so uh, Santa Claus does win. At yes, because I saw this years ago. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember
2: the plot, and I've seen it too. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen
0: stay with it. me. I think I think the title would pretty I much. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get it confused
2: with the Christmas that almost
1: wasn't. Yeah, but Paul that's Tripp. a Paul Tripp yeah. which I I never saw, but I remember I the the ads for that when I was a kid. Paul Tripp, If you grew up in New York, you, you remember, remember he was the host of Birthday yes. House. That's right? right. Oh wow, what yeah. a reference, Birthday House. Um, and but I never saw his uh, his starring vehicle. Yeah. So
0: the Martians land on the earth yes they want to destroy the earth no i think
1: i think they kidnap santa and take him to mars (laughs) is how it works because they want their kids are all depressed and they want their kids to cheer up you know it's it's some kind of uh plot plot like that And the big one of the big things in it is they all uh eat pills um as food the, the Martians, and what was supposed to be a big joke was that um, you see a Martian, ooh, roast beef, I love it, and he's eating a pill, ooh, ice cream, you know. <laughs> I think they thought that was going to be the big comedy moment in the movie. You saw this in the movies as a child. As a child. How about that? And, but I had, as I talk about in the book, I, I all I remember is that I saw it, and— um, so that doesn't speak well for it, because around the same time, you know, I saw Mary Poppins came out that same year, mm-hmm. which I always had vivid memories of. And, and A Hard Day's Night as well came out around the same time, which had a gigantic influence on me. But Santa Claus Conquers the Martians did not make a big impression on me. What, what was your theater? You grew up in Manhattan? Yeah, yeah, I the so Lowe's the 86th movie? street I think. Lowe's 86th. I went to, and there was like a Translux I think on uh, there was a Translux that was on Lexington I think at 85th street that uh that would show matinee
0: children's matinees wow. which I don't even know if they do that anymore. I, um I remember when Manhattan used to have dollar theaters. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah, those sure. to me was like Perfect. Yeah, was, and
1: you'd you'd wait for the movie to be out for a while, and then you could go see it see it for a dollar. Yeah, I and saw. And so
0: even if it was a total piece of shit, you were okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You just
1: spend a dollar. You know what's to complain about?
0: Now there's there's a movie with an interesting title. Mm-hmm. Um the amazing colossal man. Yes, yes, yes.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Oh, very Which
1: interesting. They st- obviously they stole it from you. Yeah, clearly.
0: <laughs> now, what was the name of that actor who was the amazing oh, it Grant? I, something oh. like that. Oh, Is yeah, it Grant Williams. Uh, Grant might some, be. Grant I'm not. Something. I'm not
1: uh, up on the uh, the the actor who who played him. and, oh. yeah.
0: and remember. They did a sequel. Yeah,
1: War of the Colossal Beast. Yes. That's correct.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which we also
1: did on Mystery Science Theater. Which
0: he was like, because in the first one, he falls into the Hoover Dam. Right, right. And then his face is all smashed Mm -hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And he comes out as the colossal beast. Yeah, I like the colossal man. You you like? Uh, oh yeah, you know, for its
1: time, it was it was like a pretty good gigantic monster movie. It's a and, good uh, anti nuke movie. Yeah, really, in a way. Mm-hmm.
0: And they had a they wanted to give him a shot at one point, so it was a group mm-hmm. of guys carrying a giant hypodermic needle yeah. <laughs> and running toward him.
1: <laughs> I know it has very absurd things like that that were supposed to be serious. At one of the things that when we were writing uh the riff of that movie, the line that just cracked us up was uh someone said uh um like a military man said something like uh you know that was a a monster of uh, uh, fifty feet tall and then Glenn's girlfriend goes, "Glenn is fifty feet tall <laughs> you know." <laughs> <laughs> Bert I. Gordon, by the way, is
2: still around. Oh, he is. We yeah, tried to I've get him on the show. I think we've oh. reached out a couple of times. Well,
0: yeah. but I told you not to hurry. No rush. Yeah, no yeah, rush yeah. With Bert. Was, no was rush. Roger Corman supposed to direct this? I
1: don't I, know if it. he His the. I think American International uh, might have right. made it. But uh, Roger Corman did not. Direct
0: every American
1: international. Right, right, just right. about 750 of them, That's but it. not it was, all of them. We
0: had them here. Bert? We had them on the show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Bird Eye Gordon specialized... Well, I say his initials meant big, right, right, and uh, he specialized in just in gigantic or giant or tiny people. Yeah, yeah, giant <laughs> or tiny. Yeah, if you that,
1: were like regular size, you couldn't get a meeting with, with him
0: with that really bad green screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
1: you could always kind of see through it. it. It 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 wasn't that great a special effect, even for its time. It yeah, seems they like. would
0: show that in in both of the colossal <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. You could see through the monster. Yes, you right? could.
1: <laughs> That's not a good sign. No. Well, I hope Bert Igoard e. is listening, because now he's really going to want to come on the show. What
2: I love, too, is when you
1: cover the movie in your book,
2: mm-hmm. it quickly uh, devolves into an attack on Chris Christie at a series Chris Christie. facts
1: yes. Which I really enjoyed. Uh, I have done a lot of very politically astute Chris Christie jokes. <laughs>
0: Now, you mentioned yes. a movie uh, that if if this is the movie that I saw, mm, I, it's a favorite of mine. Mm, and that's The Brain That Wouldn't Oh, yeah. That, or, that is a
1: great one. Now, yeah. that's,
0: that as I remember it, mm. there's a head in a plate. In a plate, yes. yes and by
1: the t- way, I was just at this sci-fi convention, <laughs> Dragon Con. Someone did an amazing cosplay of that she was literally the head on the plate and was being wheeled around. I think
0: you, you posted that yeah, picture. Yeah, I posted a yeah, picture. It was just amazing. Now, is this the one, because uh-huh. if it is, it's one of my favorites, mm-hmm. where uh, there's also a big doorway that mm-hmm. you hear pounding on during the movie, uh-huh. and then the door swings open and this big monster Mhm.
1: I don't think that's the one. That sounds more like the thing to me.
0: No, no, uh, no. The monster resembled the thing, uh-huh. and it did definitely had brain in the title.
1: Oh, okay. Well, there's they saved Hitler's brain is another famous. Yeah, it uh, wasn't
0: that one? Uh-huh. They saved. Wasn't there Hitler. one
1: called Donovan's brain?
0: Yeah, that yeah. was Donovan. That was more like on the intelligence side. Okay. Of yeah. But there was. I think it was this one. Interesting. There was definitely a monster that breaks through the doorway mm-hmm. and, of course, smashes up the laboratory. Oh, You know, I, I, it's been so long since I've seen the movie, that might very well be the case.
1: My main memory of that is just the um, the actor played by Jason Evers, who did a ton, ton of television, worked a lot, was a good actor. He played the um, the scientist who I think there was an accident... And he saved his wife's or his girlfriend's severed head and then tried to hook it up with another body, you know, because he he just wouldn't give up on her.
0: I definitely think there's a monster that breaks through the door. Oh, okay. I believe you. I'm not
2: questioning
1: you. Now, you, as
2: part of your job when you got hired there at Uh, MST, you you chose the films.
1: Yes, I did because there was... um, (laughs) We did a, at first, we all just would casually watch like the first 10 minutes of a movie and go, yeah, this one looks good. And we did a film called uh, The Side Hackers. Um, and so we, we picked it, we watched 10 minutes. And then, you know, a month or so later, we're writing it. And, you know, 20 minutes in, there's like a horrific rape scene in it. And we're like, <laughs> I, I don't, we don't really want to do jokes about this, you know. So we actually mm-hmm. cut that scene out. And then we just decided someone has to um, watch the movies in their entirety before we just decide to do them. And that job was given to me because I was the only one there who wasn't multi-talented. I just was a comedy writer and a performer, and I I was good at watching TV. You know, whereas like Trace was designed the sets, and Joel designed the sets, and Mike Nelson wrote the music. Kevin Murphy, Murphy actually did the film editing. You know, they were all had all these skills. I had none of those skills, so I got to just watch the
0: movies in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Now there have been a few horror movies with rape. Oh, a lot know. of them actually. Yeah. Uh, of the you know, like we talked about on this show, "Humanoids from the Deep." Yeah, mm-hmm. we also talked about the rape of Richard Beck with. Uh, oh, that's with Richard, right. With, with Richard. That's Krenna, right. Yeah. Not a that's horror film. Right. But. <laughs> but it, it pretty. It, it scared me. It's right in the title. Yeah, and, but in "Humanoids from the Deep." Basically, these creatures of the Black Lagoon ripoffs right. come out of the beach mm-hmm. and start raping girls, uh-huh. and yeah. then, uh oh, what was it? Uh, oh God, what what was the one? Ah, damn it, the one where it's I I know it stars Eleanor Powell's son. Jesus, uh. it's. <laughs> Oh God! What? You got, what you Which got one me. was this?
1: And it had creatures who came out. And... They
0: were monsters that mm. raped a girl, mm. and he was the son. Mm-hmm. Of oh, them. Okay,
2: Eleanor Powell's son.
0: Eleanor Powell's son. <laughs> oh, it was called
2: uh, that movie. Was called Born to Rape. Yes. <laughs> well, Paul's out there. Maybe Paul uh, would be kind enough to mm. look that one up for us. He's on it already. Thank yeah, you, Paul. Yeah, what
0: the hell was the name we, we of it? We should them. have it in about three hours. The be- yes. <laughs> the Beast with something. Something Beast. Really? Mm. Not Blood Beast? No, mm. not Blood Beast. But mm. uh, it's it's got a great transformation the, uh, scene um, in it. The
1: humanoids from human resources. Or something.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
2: tell us about getting to MST in the first place, because it's interesting.
1: It is a very... Uh, certic- Serticulous Root, if that's a word. Because um, you started as a comic right here. Yeah, I started in New York City uh in the early 80s. And you know what? Actually, the very first stand-up comedy show I ever went to see was in the late 80s. No, the late 70s at the Improv in New York. And Gilbert was in that show. And uh Rick Overton, who ended up oh, years later becoming friends with mark Joe Piscopo was in it. Um I think Rich Schneider might have been the MC. Wow. You know, it was just all these great people. And, uh, it took me a while to work up the guts to, uh, to perform. And then I did, uh, I did get started, but I had a bit of a drug and alcohol problem back then. Um, as, as people t- tend to do, uh, in the 80s, some people. And, uh, I ended up going to rehab in Minneapolis. Uh, which, Minnesota is very well-known for their uh, uh, rehab centers. I never knew this before. Mm-hmm. It's well-known for Mary Tyler Moore and rehab. Oh, really? <laughs> so,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Walter Mondale. And Walter Mondale, yes. <laughs> and so I, uh, I I ended up uh, going there, and then I just stayed in, in Minneapolis because uh, it's a great town, for one thing. And also, like I was like, oh, I'm going to stay away from New York, where I got into all kinds of trouble. I'm going to it's a fresh start for me. So I stayed there, and there, and you know, and just luckily there was this, as a lot of cities in the this was the '80s comedy boom, mm-hmm. you know, and Minneapolis had an incredible stand-up comedy scene um, of not just Joel Hodgson, but Louis Anderson and Jeff Cesario and Liz Winstead oh, sure. and. um uh, all kinds of uh, uh, great people: Josh Weinstein, who I met, and Trace Bellew, and all the people that I ended up working with on Mystery Science Theater. I met there, and so I was just this guy doing stand-up comedy in the Midwest, doing one-nighters and stuff, and um, and uh, you know, and then my friends started this show on a UHF channel. Uh, TV 23 in Minneapolis. Yep. And, and then the Comedy Channel started, which became Comedy Central. And here was a show incredibly cheap to produce that could fill up two hours of programming. Uh, so they picked it up um, on the Comedy Channel and then Comedy Central. And then in the second season, um, they were looking for a new writer, and, and I was just there. And they knew me, and they knew they thought I was funny. They also knew that I was a big film buff and that sure. I— a TV buff, and I knew I had all this obscure stuff in my head, which was perfect for what they were doing. And, and so it was just incredible uh, luck on my part. I, I I might be the only guy to ever move from New York to the Midwest to get on a TV show, you know? Well, yeah.
2: I mean, I've heard a lot of showbiz origin stories, but yeah. I've never heard one that started with I went there
1: for rehab. Yeah, and it kicked (laughs) off my career. Yes, exactly. So, if any of you young comics listening, uh, I I encourage you to have a severe drug problem. No, I no (laughs) No, that'll do it. Don't do that. But that's that's what that's how it worked for me.
0: Now, you also mention a popular film, Uh, uh, by by the great Ed Wood. Uh, yes.
1: Um. Uh. Well, I I talk about Glenn or Glenda. In this yeah. book, which we didn't do on Mystery Science Theater, we we did do, I think, um, Right of the Ride Monster. Right of the Monster, yeah, with,
0: also with Legosi,
1: yes, with Legosi, and I actually, um, I actually genuinely and uh, unironically and sincerely love Ed Wood as a filmmaker. You do, uh, yes, absolutely. His films are. Completely batshit. The 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 you know they're terribly written, terribly directed, terribly acted. But there's this there's this great feeling that comes through in his movies. There's, it seems like a really part of him ends up on the screen. Passionate. They're made with passion. yeah. They're made with passion. And um, and Glenn or Glenda is an amazing movie. Uh, um, it's it's a film made in the early fifties that uh, that pleads for compassion for people with uh, a different. Kind of sexuality, and um, and I've said for a while, you know, Ed Wood didn't have the um, uh, the talent of an artist. He didn't have the skills of an artist, but he had the soul of an artist. And and I've made fun of his films like crazy, but I, I genuinely love them.
2: Glenn Glenda has made the decision. Glenn has decided to tell Barbara of his dual personality.
0: Teller of the 90s and negligees, the sweaters and skirts, the robes and dresses, the stockings and the high-heeled shoes, the wig and the makeup,
4: all that goes to make Glenn into Glenda. He tells Barbara he cannot cheat
2: her of the knowledge that she, as his fiancee, should possess. All the facts. He tells her softly, hurriedly at first, then slowly
4: as he becomes more technical. His hands moved to caress the smooth material of her Angora sweater, which he has so long and so desperately wanted to put on his own body. You should
2: talk to Bob Burns. Uh-huh. you talk to Bob Burns? No, no. Oh, Bob, wow. Bob, Bob's around. He was on our show, and he was a friend of Ed's.
0: Oh, oh, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah.
2: We'll connect you guys. Oh, great. You should yeah. talk to him.
0: Because in, I think, Bride of the Monster was originally going to be called Bride of the Atom. That's right. That's right, yeah. And and it's also got the great Tor Johnson. Yes, Tor Johnson is also in Plan 9
1: and is also in uh, Beast of Yucca Flats. Oh, yeah. Which was made by, I think, the filmmaker that we really discovered on Mystery Science Theater, which is Coleman Francis, who, believe me, if you think Ed Wood is the worst director <laughs> ever, hey, he doesn't hold a candle to Coleman Francis, you know. Who's the guy that made the creeping terror?
2: Because that's that's oh that's, that guy. That's, that's I, about I forget the worst. his
1: name, but you know what? The, this
0: uh, this oh, guy. Oh, oh, wait. We might have an wait, answer on this. On this the, might be the first time Paul came up with something. <laughs> I already have a, you want a drum roll? Answer. We're
4: already in trouble. So Peter Ford, maybe who you're talking Peter about? Peter Ford would be Eleanor, Eleanor Powell's, Powell's son. Yes. Up.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure which movie, though. It's Be- Beast, I think, is in the
4: well, title. Yeah, the Proud and the Damned. Fade, no. Fate is the Hunter. No. Cades County. No. no. Punch and Jody. No. <laughs> the Little Prince. That's my, no, it's the not The little, little Prince. prince. No. about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, damn it. I thought I had it. Oh, no, God. No, it's not see.
2: That. All right. We'll get it before right, we get off. Back, back to
0: the worst. Back to, back to Some, the worst. Someone. Back to uh, the salt mine. When when this airs, Thank you, Paul. a million hours. Angry listeners will we'll cry you know, out in unison. How could in unison. you forget the title
2: of that one? Okay, here I buried the lead. Mm. One of the other movies that they did on Mystery Science Theater, and you're going to love this, uh, I think in season two or three, when, mm. when in your early days, was The Indestructible Man.
0: Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Lon Chaney Jr., yeah. which yeah. I think was the earliest... Uh, Horror movie, I remember watching. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, my earliest memory—it's almost my earliest film memory—is um, the Incredible Shrinking Man.
0: Oh, yes. When I
1: was a little kid, and I and I really think that that movie was the one that just made me interested in movies in general. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And and also, in indestructible man is Max Showalter. Oh, right. <laughs> Casey also Adams. known
1: as Yes, yes. yes. He's come up yeah. a lot on. He's show. in Catalina Caper. He and and. He, I think every Jerry Lewis movie, maybe, you know, and, um, he's in a lot if, of them.
0: I, and he was in uh, How to Murder Your Wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, if I'm not mistaken, mm. oh, oh, the inspector mm. from the Superman series. Robert Shane? Robert yes, Shane. I think Robert y. Shane. Robert Shane and Joe Flynn.
1: The, Joe from Flynn. From <laughs> Navy. are both in, in the same... Um, Film and and my I have a very vague memory of that movie, but I do remember, and I think we did a riff that you know uh, Inspector Henderson and Captain Bingham working together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, they're to the yeah, they're the mad scientists.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was. I remember that, that. That's what makes me remember that movie is seeing those two, Robert Shane and uh, and Joe Flynn. In, well, Gilbert has a, and, a great affection for Lon Chaney Jr. Do you share it? Yeah, yeah, I love Lon Chaney Jr.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was the girl in it Barbara Payton?
1: You're probably right. I mean, it's so long ago; I don't remember. Because there was uh,
0: one actress. Are we still back talking then? indestructible man? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> I thought uh, you'd gone to another rape
0: movie. <laughs> I, there was this girl back then, very pretty blonde, whose career fell apart. Uh, I think she was in. She fell into some kind of weird triangle uh, thing with, um, with the guy from Detour. Okay. The star of the movie Detour. Oh, I love that
2: movie. Mm-hmm. Edgar and, Homer.
0: And I, so it was him and, and, uh, oh God, what was his name? It's like a foreign name. Um, he was like a romantic lead. Oh, I'm forgetting every fucking thing. That's okay. We'll get Paul but in here again. Yeah. There was a, a, mm. a, a triangle. Oh, okay. Oh, Franchette Tone. Oh, oh, okay. sure, sure. So the guy from Detour. Beat up Frances Tone. Oh wow! Who was she, much older than him? Because Barbara Payton was fucking yeah. both of them,
1: and, and Frances Tone was married to Joan Crawford at one point.
0: Oh, that's right. 30s, and yeah. and I think Barbara Payton then wound mm. up being a hooker. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, too, that's a shame.
1: <laughs> His stories all end <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with sadness. <laughs>
0: And I think she used to like to shit on glass. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, you know, at the, at least there was work for her. When, while Danny Thomas you was go around. Go
0: over to Joe Flynn's house. <laughs> <laughs> you sure
2: it wasn't Sid Melton's house? <laughs> now, how did you go from being you were hired as a writer, uh, and you had a, and you basically had to? Did you do some set construction too? When I you were I did. Hired?
1: I did. Everyone had to work on the new set, and um, uh, but and all the other guys. Um, on the show, grew up in the Midwest. They grew up around uh, garages and power tools. I and, see. And I was, you know, I grew up in Manhattan. The closest thing to a power tool that my dad had was a martini mixer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so I was really terrible at building the set. And it was weird. You know, it was my very first job in television. And It was really my first show business job that wasn't just being a, a stand-up comedy middle act, sure. you know. And, uh and I, you know, I didn't even. The, the first day when we weren't building the set anymore, when we were just sitting down to write the film, I was like, is this actually going to be the job now? You know? <laughs> because up to then it was like some shitty day job, you know? Don't go away. We'll be right back
2: after a word from our sponsor. Hey, podcast listeners, here's a question for you. What a Caddyshack, the movie Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, and Groundhog Day. I love those movies. I love all three of them. What do they have in common? Bill Murray. Uh, That's correct, but more. They
0: were
2: were all directed by the comedic visionary, the late great Harold Ramis. And Harold Ramis honed his skills at the Second City, even before he started making movies. That Second City, yep. With the alumni list of comedy greats like Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert, and who... Bill Murray. That is correct, Frankie. And it makes sense that the home of improvisation and artistic collaboration is now home to the world's first film school dedicated entirely to comedic storytelling. The Harold Ramis Film School at the Second City Training Center in Chicago is unlike any other filmmaking program. In one year, students are exposed to comedy theory, the ins and outs of comedy film production, screenwriting, improv, and they're invited to master seminars with A-list industry pros like Gilbert Gottfried.
0: Or Bill Murray. And Bill Murray. Yeah, he's never invited me once. <laughs> oh, maybe because he I passed didn't. away. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't even invited during the lunch break. Well,
2: you are an A-list industry pro, even though you don't teach yes. at the Harold Ramis Film School.
0: But I met Harold Ramis once. Do tell. Yeah, he came to Caroline. Did he like you? Me. I guess so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so who is the <laughs> ideal candidate? Well, anyone who loves comedy and has a tireless need to create. So whether you're graduating from high school... Or you're looking to make a career leap. People of all experience levels and backgrounds are encouraged to apply at the Harold Ramis Film School. Not the Gilbert Gottfried Film School. You don't want to go there.
0: No, no. I'm I'm much more picky.
2: <laughs> much. They closed that school <laughs> and they put it in an OTB. The application deadline for the winter session is September 15th. So go to HaroldRamisFilmschool.com to get all the info.
0: That's RamisFilmschool.com.
2: Bill Murray. On the next
0: Gilbert and Frank's Colossal Obsessions. And the director is one of those guys. Real macho. And, and, they, and in between everything, they're showing scenes of like, you know, 10 guys being shot down. A guy crashing through a window a girl like (laughs) opening up her blouse Uh, another guy being machine gunned off the roof of a building and then a guy and girl falling into a pool naked and all this and they're going mark hamill mark singer Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so oh, hilarious. It was like you think, wow, this Gilbert Godfrey used to be an action <laughs> hero. <heal."> That's <laughs> hilarious. they <laughs> taking you right out of it. Live from Nutmeg Post. We now return to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. Now you must have shown the Cyclops. The
1: Cyclops. Yeah, we, we did not have the Cyclops on, on that because one, a lot of the movie we would have liked to have had, but for one reason or the other, we couldn't get the rights to them.
0: That one had Lon Chaney Jr. Uh-huh. and the voice of the Cyclops Uh-oh. was. Paul Freeze. That's oh, right. Paul Freeze
1: gets a mention in that book. Paul yeah. Freeze actually yeah. wrote and directed a movie that we did called The Beatniks. Yep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a very good movie, but, um, yeah, it's a low-budget film, and there really aren't any Beatniks and, in it and, either. And
0: someone tweeted me and said that Paul Freeze's son— uh, is a working voiceover guy. Oh, is guy.
1: he really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, well, maybe Rob knows him. We'll have to ask There him. are yeah. some well, movies I'm that are just... Certainly
0: not going to ask Paul. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's some movies that are just entirely Paul Frees's voice doing every, you know, character. You know, they st- they still use his voice down at the haunted mansion. Oh, do they really? Yeah, 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 he was amazing.
2: Which is weird. Yeah. So, how did you go from being the writer and the guy doing a little bit of set design mm. to to TV's beloved Frank? Um, well, and then the, tell me the origin of the Spit Girl. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: tell me where they that came just. From. Um, uh, there was a guy before me uh, who worked there, uh, J. Elvis Weinstein. Mm-hmm. He was a hilarious, brilliant guy, and um, he you know, he was a teenager at the time, and and he was the mad scientist sidekick for the first for the first two seasons, and and then he he left the show and he moved to L.A. and the, and and that's how I got hired. So I was, but I was hired as a writer. I don't think it was a fait accompli that I was going to be, uh, get to be in the cast, but they, they tested me and apparently the camera loved me. What can I tell you? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ended up just, uh, just getting that part. Um, but I really, uh, was hired as a writer and I, I, you know, in every, I've done a few shows where I performed as well as wrote, but I always just really consider myself a writer on a show. Where would the you know, spit girl come from? Was that a Jorell thing? Was that
2: just... Was I that... don't
1: know. I think it was just um, uh, the makeup uh, woman at the time just just threw that in, and everybody liked it. You know, I think they were just looking for something. They had my hair straight up, and and in a spit girl because it was stuff. a Jorell look. It was. Too. A lot of yeah. people have compared me yeah. to Jorell. Now, yes. now
0: here is something interesting mm. that I. Uh, that I real, I mean, look, Superman was invented by two Jews. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. And if you look at uh, you know, if you uh Jewish uh folklore and Jewish mm-hmm. prayer, mm-hmm. the names have an L at the end of them. Mm-hmm.
2: How interesting.
0: And and so uh in Jorel in Superman, Kalel. L-L. Yeah, Kalel, Jorel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never made, so, made that connection. Yeah. It's interesting. So the names have an L.
1: Mm-hmm. That is that is interesting, and it, make, it makes complete sense.
0: And I remember one time hearing, I think it was Paul Schaefer was playing some Jewish prayer music. Mm-hmm. And it sounded in parts like the Munsters. <laughs>
1: well, we're going to ask Paul about that. The Munsters was a mixed family, though. They
0: oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, they had the one pretty girl.
2: Where did Push the Button come from?
1: Um, that, that actually, that, you know what that's... Tell me it's
2: from The Great Race. Push it is button, from Max. The Great Race. Oh, I'm so it's glad absolutely. To know Absolutely.
1: And the relationship between Jack Lemon and Peter Falk in that movie is very much like what Trace and I wrote Got in the it. relationship. That's where Push the Button, Frank. Yes. Came from. Absolutely.
2: We've talked about that movie on this show. Yeah, not an not an entirely successful movie. No, but boy, no. It's fun. At
1: the time it when it came out, it wasn't a big hit, and it was like a, a big budget hit. But uh I remember I liked it when it came out, but I was a much bigger fan of uh It's a Mad, 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 Mad World and you know, the Russians are coming. Oh, we've talked about those. Yeah, 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 at length.
0: Now tell us about a a movie all of us have seen.
1: Ega, Ega is. um, um, I think I go into the. This is like a really kind of convoluted in terms of references or whatever. But um, Ega was made by um, Arch Hall, Arch Hall, who starred. His son Arch Hall Jr. got the lead. In the movie, and and Richard Keel, who we all know from the James Bond sure. movies, and who I met at a convention one time, incredibly nice guy. Um, but this is something I never even realized until recently: um, is that um, Jack Webb, who I who I who I love, I'm obsessed with Dragnet. I'm obsessed with Jack Webb, all of his movies, everything he did. I'm obsessed with it. He directed a movie in the '50s called The Last Time I Saw Archie, which was written by. a a screenwriter named William Bowers and, um, Robert Mitchum played, played Arch, uh, Archie Hall in the movie. And it was, it was about, it was the real life story of Arch Hall when he was in, uh, the army with William, uh, Jack Webb's character's name, William Bowers. I mean, the guy, he didn't change any names or anything. And I, I, um, I, had all this involvement with EGA and Arch Hall. And all these years later, I found out that the last time I saw Archie is literally about Arch Hall Sr. How bizarre. I know, I know. I've never seen EGA.
0: <laughs> Have you seen that, it's, Hilbert? No.
2: Okay. No. What about the I, one with the ty- the typo in the title? Oh, oh, the oh my. One a, with the attack
1: two. of the, the eye creatures.
2: <laughs> yes. Don't, tell us about the attack well, of the, the, the that eye that creatures. Tell us that title again. You've
1: seen movies that are bad. This movie, you know right from the start that it's not going to be a good movie because there's a typo <laughs> in the title. That's fantastic. It's, it says attack of the, and then underneath that, the eye creatures. So it's <laughs> attack of the, the eye creatures. <laughs> <laughs> and it also has, um, I think.
0: Well, a- stuttering can be very <laughs> frightening. <laughs>
1: it was. Uh, they brought Mel Tillis did a rewrite Mel on it. Mel Tillis,
0: <laughs> the reference. And oh, uh,
1: bless your heart. But um, and also, it's a movie that has, uh, if my if memory serves, it has alien creatures. Um, who are wearing sneakers.
0: (laughs) And those are the the eye creatures? Yes, those are the the eye creatures. And we
1: actually did a, one of my favorite sketches that we did, we did during that movie, and it was um, the the Rip Taylor trio, which was Joel and the two robots all dressed up as Rip Taylor, all doing prop eye bits, you know, based around eyes. It was one, uh, one of my favorite sketches that we ever did. I remember Rocket. Was it what's the one with Art Matrano?
2: Rocket uh, Attack US. Rocket Attack US. I remember USO. that on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, that one also turns up in the book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Art Matrano who Still around. Still around. Yep. Wow. Have you guys had him on? We want to. Yeah. He's on our list. But he we, you know. We Art Matrano Met- <laughs> uh um in the world of comedy, he's he's kind of important in that he did one of the very first meta. Comedy bits about comedy. He was doing that on T. I would see him do that on TV all the time. Right around the same time, Albert Brooks was doing the bad ventriloquist bit, which that stuff was very new at the time. You didn't see a lot of that on TV.
2: Let me ask you about some of these other ones. Time
1: of the Apes. Time of the Apes which was a Japanese ripoff of Planet of the Apes.
4: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Blatant ripoff. Uh the, the 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 apes look just like the ones in Planet of Have the Apes. Have you seen that one, Gil? Uh,
2: Time no. of the Apes. There's there's films in that book you haven't seen. <laughs> yes. This shocks me. Uh. What I love is that one in, in that one, in the book, in the chapter, you go into uh, you start making references to Lancelot Link, Secret
1: yes. Chimps. Yes. Which
0: oh, is what? Also- <laughs> And you have Monster A Go-Go. Monster A Go-Go, I've yes. seen that one.
1: Yeah. 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 That one is a hard one to watch, yeah. even though it has the title <laughs> of Go-Go in it.
0: It's uh, from the title. It yeah. looks like
1: so intelligent.
2: I know. <laughs> Tell Gil about Daddy-O with the immortal Dick Dick Contino. Dick
1: Contino. <laughs> Um, Which is
2: notable because it's John Williams' first film score.
1: Oh, that! Oh, I didn't even wow. know that. Wow! Yeah, yeah. the um, debut score of John I, Williams. I, maybe I knew that before, but I forgot. Yeah. That's amazing. Was he accordion player? Nick <laughs> Tantino. <The> Nick <laughs> Tantino an accordion player and an entertainer um, from that era. And uh, but he, I don't think he plays accordion in the movie. Although I might be wrong about that. But um, he's just like a young, like hipster hoodlum guy. In the he wears his pants very high. In the movie, and and the thing about Dick Cantino is he there's a James Ellroy novella called Dick Cantino's Blues, where Dick Cantino is the main character, in in the book. Love and, that. And it's it's in one of James Elroy's books that are like four novellas. I forget the name of the book, but um, uh, and I think he might yeah I think he might have gotten in trouble with the mob and stuff and and it, he's one of those guys that. I think had uh, some people thought was going to have a promising career, and then it didn't pan out. But but he always worked. I, I remember he came through Minneapolis. So I, I regret that I didn't go see him. And he had like an accordion act where he sang, and I think he played like um, UHF. I looked him up. He just died a few years ago. Yeah, he did. He yeah. died just recently. Yeah.
0: Did hey. you ever hear of Dick Contino? Oh yes, you did. Yes, mm. yeah, Dick Contino. I've heard of. Him.
2: We had the guy uh, Anthony Ferrante for, uh, who directed the Sharknado movies.
0: Oh really? And he told
2: us he was a di- he thinks he's a direct descendant of Ferrante, of Ferrante and Teicher. Uh-huh. Isn't that cool? Wow, yeah. <laughs>
0: Ding, 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 <laughs> ding,
2: ding. The shit you find out on this ding, show, right now. Ding, ding. So you you did the show from from episode two, hundred and one to episode six
1: hundred and twenty four. Yeah, I think I did a, a, a little over hundred episodes.
0: And and one of the creatures on it is is a gumball machine. Is it not? yes? The yes. Uh, Tom Servo, one of the
1: uh, robots, is 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 a gumball machine. And Crow T Robot is kind of a lacrosse. Um, thing turned into a robot, kind of. And, and what? Go ahead, for, oh
0: me, go no, ahead. the day the Earth
1: froze. Right. Oh, that's another one. That's actually one of the better movies that we did because it's <laughs> it's it's like some uh, Swedish film. It looks like it look like, like Ingmar Bergman did a sci-fi movie or something, you know. And it and it actually has kind of a good budget and some clever things in it. Um, I think it kind of pushes the ceiling of of was it quite bad enough? I think it was bad enough, but it it, it kind of towed that line a little bit. You right, know? right, right, right. You were, you were picking the films the entire time you were there. Well, your I would whole pick run? them. I would pick them and recommend them to the to the rest of the crew, and then and then then we decide on it.
2: And what what happened to Frank when you left the show? You went to second banana heaven.
1: I did. That was the last episode. I ascended, and I think um, uh, I think I was I, uh, I don't remember. I think you see me. I could see Gabby Hayes, like, up in the I think there's midst. a Pat Buttram reference. A Pat Buttram <laughs> reference, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I can't believe I won't be able to kill you anymore. Don't worry, Clay, because somewhere deep inside your soul, you'll always be killing me. And remember this, my sentimental friend. Even though I will forever be in your heart till the end of your days you'll be a profoundly lonely man. Thank you, Frank. That's very kind of you. And just let me say this to anyone out there who's working for an abusive boss. Do not despair. Never let him crush your spirit, even if he's already crushed your skull. Always be yourself and wave your freak flag
4: high. Jeez, it must be horrible to work for a boss like that. Frank, could I ask you one thing before you go? Sure. Could you push the button, Frank? <laughs> Watch me rock. <coughs> <clears throat>
2: And then there were a lot more incarnations. I mean, there was Cinematic Titanic. Yeah. I mean, even after you left MST. Well, after we st-
1: left, and and then, you know, I, wor- I worked on a lot of other shows. I worked on um, Sabrina and the Teenage That's Witch. That's right. For you were Rudy Cassouti. I was Rudy Cassouti. I actually spent my 40th birthday on the set of Sabrina and the Teenage Witch sitting in a crib... Wearing a onesie. <laughs> At that moment, I knew that uh, in some ways I was a, a, wow. uh, a descendant of Joe Besser. <laughs>
2: it's like wearing children's clothing as an adult. Your 40th birthday. Yes, That's exactly. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. And then you did Invader Zim. I and did, you did Invader a lot Zim. Of stuff. I did the Drew Carey show. I did the Tom Green show. Right, right. And uh, yeah. And then a few years, like about 10 years ago... Um, Joel and Trace and I were hanging out and we were just talking about how we missed doing... Uh, you know, Joel, for years, he didn't have the rights. He, he got the rights back, which is why mm-hmm. there's a reboot now. But uh, he didn't have the rights to do it. And uh, and so we just, like, put together a new thing that, it, that wasn't mystery science theater but was an opportunity for us to riff on movies. And then we discovered that... Because we only did like two live shows the whole time Mystery Science Theater was on. And then we discovered that the one thing better than doing Mystery Science Theater is doing it live, you know, in front of an audience, doing movie riffing live. And uh, so we did that for like five years. And then then Joel didn't want to do it anymore. So it, it broke up and then... A couple of years ago, Trace and I just started doing it as a as a duo, and you now know? you're doing it. You're yeah. touring as the Mads. We're touring, and we're we're getting a lot of work. We're doing a lot of Alamo draft houses around the country, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of movie theaters, and it's it's just a blast. It's so much fun.
0: Oh, you come from a a strange childhood. Uh, yeah, that's one way. Yeah. <laughs> to
1: describe it. Uh, I grew up in Manhattan, and. Um, uh, and I actually grew up sort of around show business because my dad was a journalist. My dad, Phil Silvers, was at my dad's wedding, at my parents' wedding. My dad was really good friends with Phil Silvers and Jackie Gleason. And um, he used to hang out. My dad used to hang out at a place called Tut shores Of course. Um, yeah. And which is where he became really good friends with Jackie Gleason. And, and also, too. I wasn't there. My brother... Uh, Tony was there one time and met uh, Joey Lewis there. Wow, which uh, which, uh, which uh, didn't happen to me, but um, so uh, so I kind of my dad was a journal he journal he he wrote a column for the uh, Journal American in New York and he was an editor for Hearst newspapers. So he wrote a lot about politics and world affairs, but he also was very interested in, in sports and just had a lot of friends in from the worlds of journalism and sports and show business. And so he was an alcoholic. Your My father. dad. Yes, yeah. he was. He, uh, you know, an alcoholic and a workaholic. And uh, he just kind of drove himself to an early grave. You know, he he, he died, I think, in 1971 at age of 57, which is really way too soon. You
0: and, know? and your mother was like a manic depressive. She was, she was, she
1: had, um, she suffered from uh, mental illness throughout my childhood. She was in and out of, um, um, hospitals. She had shock treatments. Um, she had a really rough time of it, you know, but, uh, she, eventually she, she recovered and, uh, and came out of all that. And the last 25 years of her life were great you know she wow. to hear only had a little bit of that lingering stuff but mostly like led a very um productive life that's you know? an unexpected
0: happy ending
1: yeah yeah she really you know my yeah she was my I think I even mentioned in the book that my mom was pretty badass you know she 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 came from that traditional Um, you know, she married my dad in 1951 and all a woman was supposed to do then was, uh, get married and have children. She had five kids before she was 30. And then, you know, my dad got really sick and it was just all very overwhelming to her. And and she had some, uh, chemical issues, I think inherited from her family of depression and stuff. And so she went through hell, but she, she came out on the other side. So it's, it's kind of amazing. That's a nice ending. Yes. Yes. And you were destined to go into comedy. Here, just hearing um, this, <laughs> yeah. Some people who seen me are waiting for me to go into comedy. But uh, <laughs> you,
2: you fantasized. One of the ways you escaped was by fantasizing that you were on the Dean Martin show.
1: Oh yeah, Do I, I used right? to. I used to fantasize about um, like just being in show business and being being a comedian. But the weird thing is, then finally, when uh, you know, in the seventies, when I when I was old enough to start doing that, I, I had a lot of fear. And when I went to see you, Gilbert in that show at the Improv, which was my first ever stand-up show that I went to see, it it all, I so wanted to be a part of it, but it all, it seemed like such a, you know, so far away, something uh, really hard to attain. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fears or whatever. And, and my, But my first open mic was at that Improv, the sun, Sunday night, I believe it was, at the New York Improv. What was your act like in those days? Um... Not that good. Uh, <laughs> and also, you know what? I, you know, my first joke, and this will just give you an idea of how self-destructive uh, uh, I was in some ways, um, is I think my first joke was um, uh, I just announced that Frank Sinatra had died. This was long before he had died. <laughs> and that they were going to be holding his funeral. Um, but before his funeral, they'll be having Pat Henry's funeral. Because Pat Henry was <laughs> <the first. laughs> So that wasn't the kind of thing that was going to get me. You know, so it took me a while to figure out how to, like, entertain an audience. That's, a, that's and, an inside uh, yes. joke. pretty <laughs> inside baseball. Right, Should right. we explain
2: that to our listeners? Yeah, Pat, Pat Henry
1: was a comedian who used to always open for there Frank you go. Sinatra. I, I updated it and made it Tom Dreesen. No, I'm oh, kidding. Right. I never did it again. Uh,
0: yes, he was the other <laughs> that's one. That's right, yeah. Tom James. Dreesen.
2: What was this yeah. game show your dad was on with Groucho and Karloff?
1: Oh, well, I don't know if he was on at the same time with Groucho and Karloff. He might have been, but uh, most of those, uh, there's only, like, one existing tape I know. There's a show called um, uh, In the New— Was it called Who Said That? Who Said That, yes. And there is a tape that you can—someone—I didn't even know about it. Someone, some nice fan sent it to me, and it was amazing to me as someone who, in my childhood, my father was— a very distant figure. He was, um, before he got sick, he was just always away going all over the world, uh, you know, as a reporter covering stories. And then he got sick. So, so I didn't even really have great memories of, of like what my dad sounded like of, of talking to him. So to see him on an old TV show like this and to see him talking as a, as a healthy person was kind of an amazing experience. But this, um, this tape, like I said, anyone can see it, and I don't know if it'll be compelling to you unless you're related to someone on the panel, but the panel is is really fascinating to me. It's my dad, and it's uh, Deems Taylor, who uh, was a musician and music critic, uh, a friend of uh, uh, George Gershwin, also involved with Fantasia, I think. Wow. And there's actually a big music award called the Deems Taylor Award that's named after him. And then the other guy is this guy um, something cattle born um, who was a famous commentator at the time Harry Truman there's a clip uh, a famous speech Harry Truman made after he beat Dewey in the 1948 election where he does an imitation of this guy announcing that Dewey had won the election um, and he's also in uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington as himself. Oh, wow! Yeah, and then I the, think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, H.L. Caltonborn. Uh, Kel- Caltonborn. Yeah. yeah, and then the fourth person on the panel is uh, Dagmar.
2: Wow! How about that,
1: Gil? <laughs> yeah, remember
2: Dagmar? Oh yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's the only one there who really like understands like this is TV? You know because everyone else and and you watch the show it's so slow paced it's, it's there's only one episode that you could track that down. I've that I've you try, seen you try and the I, paley center and all, and all. I I the yeah I yeah. I years ago I looked at the paley center I don't know if they'd have more stuff now but um uh but so yeah my dad did a lot of those kind of quiz and panel shows in the 50s he was on um the only other time I saw a clip of my dad was on some documentary there was a clip of him on Meet the Press, being one of the reporters, very cool. asking uh, questions. So, um, and also, I have a memory of when I was a little kid, um, in the middle of the afternoon, they stopped the class, they rolled a television in, and we all watched my dad on the Art Letter show. That's very cool. Yeah.
2: Frank Conniff Sr., you didn't say your dad's
1: name. Yes, or yeah, so Frank Kniff is actually the proper pronunciation, but I I changed it. You changed it. Changed it. And, yes.
0: and are you really Philip Seymour Hoffman?
1: <laughs> I've been asked that many times before, especially since he died. Because <laughs> I look like him more than ever now. <laughs> I I'm have gonna... gotten that. Unfortunately, he didn't live to play me in my life story. So,
2: Dad pronounced it like Milton Kniff.
1: Milton Kniff. Yeah, although, can, although Milton Kniff with, spelled it differently. An yeah. Right. And then you
2: changed it to Now, Connelly. I'm
0: going fucking crazy here. Paul. <laughs> it was in a southern town. Okay. There's a very long... Tra- what, 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 what?
2: No, that's not for you. That's for me. Oh. That's, I got it. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. What?
0: It wow. was in a southern town, a very long transformation scene. Do we have the actor right? Are you sure it was Eleanor Powell's son? I'm pretty sure, unless unless that was really... Peter, well, Peter, her son with Glenn.
1: Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's why, why he's in Cades County. Yeah, he's in Cades County right. and, and I, Fate is the Hunter. Look, right.
4: Because I looked through all, he, he did 18.
2: <laughs> why don't you go to Peter Ford's IMDb page and see what you come I did up that. with. I did no that, horror but, films?
0: But maybe she had another. I think that. So could go to be her it. Wikipedia on, page, see if she had another. Son. I think it had the word "beast" in it. You sure it's not Jane it Powell's a, son? No. Is it
1: like the Beast from and, from Fifty Fathoms or something like no, that? No, no, no.
0: And there was an actor in it, an old character actor, like R.J. something. R.G. Armstrong. Oh, that could be. Who was it? That could be. R.G. Armstrong, who played
2: Pruneface and Dick Tracy? I
0: RG think Armstrong. so. I All think right. he okay. was in this. You know this. that, actor? Right.
2: Yeah, That's sure, kid, sure. Eastwood used him. Look, up. Use look that up. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're on it, folks. I'm going to ask you about some of the movies that Gilbert has recommended on this very podcast. <laughs> yes. oh, okay. Starting with Zombie Holocaust or Dr. Butcher, M.D. You familiar with <laughs>
1: it? I don't think I've, I'm familiar with it. Uh Or did we do, we did Zombie Nightmare, I think, with Adam West. Okay. Yeah, this
0: was one of the Guinea Uh
1: productions. (laughs) This was was an Italian
0: production, Uh as he likes to point out. They also made Zombie. And then I remember what's so funny about it was the producer was something like Mike Jones. Uh Uh-huh. And and then you see the his real name mm-hmm. and it's it's like ten pages long. In Italian. <laughs> That's a lot of mouths. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, what I heard about um, the zombie Holocaust was we must never let this happen again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's one we
2: all know and love, but we love your take on it. And uh, Gilbert is obsessed with this one, The Tingler.
1: Oh, the yes. Tingler. Uh, yeah. Funny you should mention it. Bill you and I are now doing it. In our live show, oh, wonderful! Yeah, we've just started it, and um, it's it, it is kind of borderline good, you know. It's and and I know that a lot of kids who saw it when it came out were very scared by it. But the Tingler is basically like a a, a lobster shell. It's or something. really weird. Some, yes, something. It's like it's really a really
0: centipede. Yeah. or something really,
1: yeah, cheaply and, done. It, yeah, and and it's William Castle, you know, who was the king of, of gimmicks um, but we don't have, like, the shock seats or anything like that. But it's right a show. very enjoyable it film. It is. It is. And Vincent Price is great in it, you know. Give him a, S- give him a little S- bit, yes.
0: of Scream, <laughs> scream for your lives. The tingler <laughs> in the theater. Scream, <laughs> scream. And then he says... We now return to the movie.
1: that's yeah, really weird. And it's all, the screen goes completely dark at that yes. point, you know. Oh,
4: great. Okay. What do you all got, right. Paul? Now, before I tell you what I have, yes. I have to work a deal.
1: Okay.
0: okay. If I
4: got this right, and this is the one, yes. that I get a little you know, A little boost, and a, a, little little
0: oh, just a little respect. Tell us the <laughs> title. You're we
4: asking for too much. All right, 1982, <laughs> The Beast Within. The, beast, the within. beast Within. yes. Driving near a small Mississippi town in 1964, newlyweds Eli, Ronnie Cox, and Caroline <laughs> That was a porn <laughs> film. That's right.
0: Ronnie re- Cox pre- was in by it. A
4: horrible creature. Mm-hmm. This is the one.
1: How'd you find it? I, I have through one. that, probably through that character. Did
2: you go to, did.
4: through R.G. Armstrong? Yeah,
2: RGM. Well, sure. Hey, Gil, we teamed up. Hey! On that. That was, wow.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice work, Paul. Right, G- Take the rest of the month off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had <laughs> forgot about Ronnie Cox. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah we got to get Ronnie Cox on this show. Yeah, he yeah. was in Beverly Hills he's Cop 2. He's you bet. good. You bet. All
0: right, I'm outside. If Thank you,
2: need you me. pal. We'll yeah, come back to you. We won't
0: need you.
1: We came through.
2: Okay, here's another Gilbert one The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau.
1: Yeah, That's that actually Tony a really Randall. good movie, yeah, with Tony Randall. I haven't seen it in a long time. But, uh, and, and, and Tony uh, Randall, you know, if you're going to cast an Asian cat part, of that, course, Tony Randall is the one to go to. <laughs> of
0: course, and, and one of the Morlocks, Rooney was too expensive uh-huh. from the time machine because uh-huh. it was made by the same guy George Powell, but George yeah. Powell. Yeah, and so, uh, one of the Morlocks pops mm-hmm. up in mm-hmm. Dr. Lyle.
2: You got to talk to our friend Bob Burns because not only was he friends with Ed Wood, he was uh-huh. friends with George Powell. Oh, really? And he wired some of the seats. Uh-huh. For for now showing does Bob up the tingler. Burns,
1: does he have like a warehouse? In, yes, in, you know, I, the, I have movie. met him. He's the movie collector. I've been to I've been to his warehouse, and, okay. and I have met him. Okay, because you yeah. guys are kindred spirits.
0: Yeah. And and he got a hug from Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> you one. bet. Wow. He
2: knew Glenn Strange very well. That's he amazing. Strange. And uh, and uh, Will So I mean, yeah, he, kept yeah. he looked company. upon
0: Glenn Strange as like a father figure.
2: Really? He? Oh. Here is a couple more Gilbert classics from this show. <laughs> uh, do you know Act of Violence?
1: Is is that with uh, William Shatner? No, no, no. no, no
2: um,
1: uh, is that I think Van Heflin? Still with Van Heflin? Oh, uh, Van Heflin and and, and Robert, Ryan. Robert Ryan. Oh, okay. You know what? I I haven't seen that. I, it was on Turner Classic Movies one time, but I didn't get to watch
0: it. How about Alone in the Dark? Who with who's Martin? In, I believe Martin uh, Landau. Martin Landau, yeah. Donald Pleasance, and oh, there's another famous actor. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! I can't. We I get can't believe we have to talk to Paul again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was that in the seventies. Uh, yes. Yeah. Martin yes. Landau did a lot of those kind of. Sure. Without he warning, had, he had kind of a you know like a bit of a wilderness period in his yeah, career. Yeah. That, that was he, a,
0: that was a fun movie. Yeah.
2: He plays yeah. Fred Dobbs in one of them, which I always uh, love because it's a because it's a treasure. Oh, to Humphrey Bogart. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And and yeah, there was uh, there was those two. Donald Pleasant and uh, and Robert Ryan. Mm-hmm. Not Robert Ryan. Donald Pleasant and, and Martin Landau. And Martin Landau.
2: We'll get Paul on that one. And what about uh, The Incident, which is the one set in New York City oh, with you know what? Tony Musante? I was just and,
1: talking about that movie. I forget in what context because I have seen that movie and I'm not, you might think I'm I'm joking when I say this, actually has a really good dramatic performance from Ed McMahon. I was just yes, going to
2: say, Ed McMahon in yes. movie, he's yep. very
0: and, good in it. And Martin Sheen yeah, is one of the, and he's one uh, of the hoods, right? Bo Bo right. No, Bridge.
1: Martin Sheen is like, a, is he one of the hoods? He's he was one, one of the hoods. He was in an Estevez Tony, then, uh, Tony yeah. M- Tony Musante, yeah. Bo yeah. Bridges is, is a
0: guy out of the Navy. Is Peters in there too? Uh, yeah, Brock Peters, yeah. Uh, Mike Kellen. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh oh god. It's
1: a terrific film and yep. it's it's like it's it's a, you know, it should get more recognition it was an independently made film yes. almost entirely taking place on a subway yeah. low budget and um and like I said it's it's Ed McMahon's uh, best dramatic performance. Well, we
2: love films set in New York at that time yeah, because you get yeah, to see old New York. Yeah. Because you see all the old
1: and yeah. it's a whole different New York. It is. Um but you know what it's interesting cuz when I moved to LA I became Fascinated with seeing old shots of LA, but most LA, most movies made in LA, you know, they're either done on studios or they're done in the valley. There's not a lot of stuff at like familiar locations.
0: So many times I'll watch a movie mm-hmm. and I'll recognize it as the soundstage. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been on. Oh, yes, yeah. right, 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 right. They, I
1: mean, actually, in the Tingler, they have this. They didn't pay for any extras in the thing. Yeah. So there's these back lot shots of buildings and stuff, and there's literally nobody around except Vincent Price and whoever else is in the in the scene. Last and
2: Gilbert film is After the Fox. I love After the Fox. <laughs> there you go. Uh, with Peter Sellers,
1: right? Yeah. And Vic- Victor uh, Mature. Uh, Neil, Neil, Neil Simon's first That's screenplay, right. I think. That's and, right. And yeah.
0: Victorio De Sica directed. Yeah,
1: directed. And it's very funny. I always thought it was funny. And also a great... Uh, Burt Backrack score. Correct. Too. Oh, Correct. Yeah.
0: Terrific.
1: Yeah, that's Perfect. a movie that's that's not that well known. And it it, it really Who is. Who is
0: the fox? I, I am the, the fox. fox. <laughs> Who are you? I am me. <laughs> Who is me? <laughs> I am a thief. <laughs> you caused your great poor poor mother grief. Oh, after, after the, the fox. fox. After the fox. Into the hunt with chains and locks. So oh, after the fox, after the fox, somebody's always chasing after the fox.
1: Wow. You sang great. that with Robert Wool. Yes.
0: Uh, great. And uh,
1: really, I, I knew the Burt Backrack melody, but you knew the Hal David lyrics. So he, he surprises us every week. Yeah. And
0: there was another movie as far as a New York film, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. a name that's popped up. On mm-hmm. this show, a billion times, as the great New York director Sidney Lumet, right, and that was Bye Bye Braverman. Bye
1: Bye Braverman with George Siegel, you right? Bet. Yeah. yeah, and Sorel Brook, Sorel Brook, and and wasn't and it written Warden? By uh, Herb Gardner, who oh, it might be, who ended up being the head writer of uh, Saturday Night Live. And oh, Herb Sargent, Herb Sargent, right? Yeah. Herb Sargent, and it That's also right, it was.
0: had the only Jewish Bond villain. Who is uh, uh, that was Dr. No, oh, played- oh Joseph, Joseph Wiseman, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: very good. Who's in a lot of those kind of gritty, he's he's really good in the movie, um, Detective Story with, oh, yes. oh, with, with, Lee, Grant. Uh, with Lee Grant and Kirk Douglas. Yep. Um, he plays like a kind of crazy criminal in it,
2: yep, 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 yeah. Speaking of Bacharach, one of the things you mention in your book, and God bless you for this, is Lost Horizon.
1: Oh, yeah. The thing that split up <laughs> Bacharach and David. <laughs> it ended. It's, it's, uh, I think the point I make in that movie is that it's some movies are just bad, but this was a bad movie that had a really awful consequence yes. to it, and that it split up Burt Bacharach and Hal David, who I think one of the greatest pop songwriting teams Absolutely. ever, and um and it, I actually saw it in a theater when it came out, and it was just—it was embarrassing, you know. We we uh,
2: we were talking about bad musicals on this show, and okay. that's one we never got to. Oh, that's yeah. right. Have you seen it? The remake? Yes. The musical remake yes. of Capra's Lost Horizon? And I forget, absolutely wretched. I forget Peter the Finch song singing some uh, of Allman, Li- Live All Allman's
1: time. best singing. Liv
2: uh John Gilgood, Yeah. Oh, God. John Gilgood doing Yellow Face, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it's just. They, you there can't, was a song they played in the commercial
2: Bobby Van.
1: Bobby Van. Oh, wow. He does a lot of bouncing. He's in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel bad because <laughs> I really like Bobby Van. Me and too. I, I feel bad that uh, he, you know, once that.
0: Rap film was rap. He was now. Like, there's a movie. Uh-huh. I wondered if you'd had it on the show. Mm-hmm. That uh, of all people, I mean, when you see the makeup and special mm-hmm. effects in this, mm-hmm. you'd say that this guy, whoever did this, you know, became worked in a grocery store <laughs> uh, afterwards and it turned out to be Rick Baker the oh, really? great Rick Baker mm-hmm. in Octoman Oh Octoman <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, seen
1: that in a while, but I'm glad Rick Baker's career
0: recovered. He did okay. From it. Yeah. Oh, my God, did he ever. He did okay for himself. I um, want Rick Baker on this show. Oh, we'll that would him, be amazing. i we need Savini
2: to get him on here for us. Oh, yeah. They're buds. Because he,
0: what an amazing makeup man. Yeah.
2: Here's a question uh, quickly from one of our fans. We do okay. a thing called Grill the Guest, and you're mm. being grilled by uh, Luke mm. uh who would like to be referred to as the great Luke Ski. Mm -hmm. He says on Invader Zim, was there a great joke, a killer joke that you wanted to put into an episode only to have Nickelodeon reject it or take it out?
1: Um, Can you recall one or one moment? I don't have a memory of that because um, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was the head writer on the show. But uh, Jonah Vasquez, who created the show, um, I think he's the one who always had to deal with the, um, uh, you know, the Nickelodeon executives. And, you know, they would... One thing I loved about uh, Jonah Vasquez is, is we'd have these meetings with the ex- with the um, executives and they would always question the logic of stuff. You know, this isn't logical. This doesn't track. And Jonah always had the same response to everything. Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> and I just love that. You know, yeah, but it's funny is actually a great it is. Now, uh, now thing.
0: did you mention with Lost Horizon?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh now I think Lee Volman. She's in it. He just mentioned it. it. Yes, yes. yes.
2: Yeah, she's, she was
0: from all the uh, Ingmar, Ingmar Bergman, Bergman films. And yeah. this,
2: it, it's well, Peter she, Finch, Lee Volman, John Gilgood, Bobby Van. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else is in the cast. There's God,
0: what was that song?
2: Oh God! Fuck me! I know the song you mean. Is it Bobby Van sings the
0: song? I don't know. There's with one a, song. With a, all with the Asian of them. children The
1: one that Bobby Van sang is, I think, is called "Question Me and Answer." That's it. Or answer. No, Question no, Me and Answer. answer. Yeah, another yeah. one. Now, okay. That I don't remember. I don't even think Burt Backrack would remember. All right, what that Paul, song come is. on
2: back in for the songs from Lost Horizon <laughs> before we wrap it up. Uh, you do regret, and I found this in the notes. Occasionally, you would regret not getting a film on yes. MST, and one of them was Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla.
1: Yes, I was
0: <laughs> and Sammy Petrillo. After Duke Gilbert's own Mitchell. heart here.
1: Uh, well, the thing is, is that's not a, uh, uh, an example of not being able to get the rights to. It. That's an example of me suggesting the film, and the rest of the staff saying, "No, you're wrong. We we shouldn't do that film." I think I think there was some sense that. Comedies were not the best thing for us to do. I see. You know, but I was so fascinated by Duke Mitchell and Sammy Petrillo <laughs> yeah. that uh, that I, I really wanted to do it. it and uh, it's so
0: weird because yeah. Sammy Petrillo is an absolute freak of nature, yes. Jerry Lewis duple guy. Yeah. It, and and Duke Mitchell is not really I,
1: He's in the general vein of smooth, yeah. smooth singer, Yeah, you like know. not
0: handsome, yeah. but passable uh,
2: looking. Mm. And a... Like a Tony gen- Martin knockoff. Yeah, more exactly. than a Dean Martin
4: More, more
1: Tony Martin than Dean yeah. Martin. Okay. Very well put. So
4: the, so there were a <clears throat> bunch of bird back, right? question I was questioning your name.
1: Question me and answer.
4: Living together, growing
0: together. Oh, living together, together laughing together. <laughs> We're living together as days go by. <laughs> da, da, All right. Let's
4: Gilbert can get. The oh. world is a circle. Oh, the world is a circle, yeah. Mm, that, that a was
1: circle jerk, cool. I share think. share
4: the joy. I might frighten her away. The things I will not miss.
0: No, it's just living together is the one I
1: remember. Yeah.
0: And they're all, like, dancing out on the beach. I I,
2: I doubt there's anyone on the planet singing (laughs) Numbers from Lost Horizon, the musical, at this moment. But Gilbert Gottfried
1: is. (laughs) Well, that's the crazy thing about it is the songs are so forgettable, and it was such a flop. And this is... Burt Backrack and Hal David could do no wrong up until this. Everything they did was was hugely popular, yeah. hugely successful, and brilliant. And um, that's what's
2: just so. You and John get some pretty uh, heavy musical guests on your we show We do, You've in had fact. Herb Alpert and.
1: Uh, Herb Alpert, who was great. We've had Willie Nelson. Yeah. We Didn't had, get Backrack. Have you tried? Oh, I would love to have Burt Backrack. We want to try to get him on oh, this show. We feel like be, it's such a long that show. That would be incredible, yeah. Yeah. And we just had Don Was yesterday. Yeah, saw that. Produced all those great.
0: Records. I once worked with Willie Nelson. Oh, you did? Yeah on on uh, Alice Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I you never was, knew that. Yeah, there was like an afternoon TV show of Alice in Wonderland, and she would like. And I remember in this, he's like the troubadour, Uh and he keeps coming on to sing these songs of what's happening. Wow. You never told me that. Yeah. We work with Willie Nelson.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, Frank. Very nice guy.
2: (laughs) Your last question is going to be about the Marx Brothers. Okay. I know you're a Marx guy like we are. I am. Okay. Do you we've had two Marx Brothers related guests on this mm-hmm. show. We've had an author and Steve Stolier, who Oh, I, I've met him. Yeah. Met he's Steve? a great guy. Yeah. And a great mimic. Yeah. By the way. Uh are you in the camp that prefers the four Marx Brothers to the three Marx Brothers? Are you a,
1: a Zeppo uh You know what? I would say yes. Only in that I think all of the the great Marx Brothers movies, with the exception of A Night at the Opera. Mm-hmm. It are the Four Marks brothers you know i mean duck soup is the Four Marks yes, brothers that's my the favorite ones. one yeah. all the paramount ones have uh, have zeppo in them and uh, he doesn't make it any less funny you know <laughs> they 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 keep the uh, and also i think with zeppo in the films um which which makes them different from the MGM films is that the idea that there's a romantic lead in it which they kind of do with zeppo but they don't really take it seriously right. you know like a monkey right. business he supposedly is having a romance, and it's kind of just part of the goofiness, whereas when Irving Thalberg brought them to MGM, you know, they really took the romance, like Alan Jones and Kitty Carlisle. It's one of the reasons we don't care so much for the MGM films. Yeah, because yeah. They, they
2: overshadowed the Marxists. Yeah,
1: and- but I, I I think, you know, A Night at the Opera, I think, is brilliant, and I think each subsequent MGM film Still has great stuff in it, but they kind of they kind of go down in quality See, a little bit.
0: I I wasn't all that crazy about Night at the Opera.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. I
0: thought that was the beginning
1: of the end. It was, me. but it, but it also you know it resurrected their careers. I mean, uh, Duck Soup was a flop, which yeah, is amazing sad. to think of. They they got dropped by Paramount. They were they were over with as as uh, as film stars, and only because Irving Thalberg came along and said, "Listen, I know how to make a successful Marx Brothers movie," and he was right. Made he, two of them, yeah, and he yeah. he extended their career for another like seven years or something like that. Yeah. So it
2: that, makes you wonder when we've talked about this, Gil. What would have happened had Thalberg lived?
1: Oh yeah, I know films for MGM. Yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, that uh, could have happened. Um, in one book I read. Um George S. Kaufman was going to sign a contract with MGM to start directing films, which he only directed one film like in the four. Senator is indiscreet. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but he was gonna actually fo- shift his focus from Broadway to to maybe making movies for but when Thalberg died, that was that was the end and, of it. And
0: I think there was talk at one point, Matt Hyken. Matt Hyken? Nat Hyken, M- I yeah. mean yeah. Nat Hyken. Yeah, there was talk wanted to to write a Marx Brothers right. movie, but they figured, ah, we've got our that own lady, writers.
1: Song. Oh, you mean in
0: the 30s? or uh, No, no, and later on. Yeah. Oh, right, because I know also
1: uh, Billy Wilder planned a Marx Brothers movie. Called Can you An- imagine? A Day at yeah. the UN, I That's think right. it was going to be called, and only because I think Har- Harpo got sick or something and they, they couldn't get the insurance to do it, but they actually... I think Billy Wilder and I.L. Diamond actually started writing it. Can you imagine, Gilbert? That Billy Wilder. Been, that would have been amazing. And yeah. the Marx Brothers. So, plugs. Mm-hmm. You're doing the Mads Tour. I'm doing the Mads Tour. We're, uh, go to um, the Mads are back, our Facebook page, and on Twitter. And we have gigs coming up um, in Chicago and in El Paso and Phoenix and Dallas and um, uh, uh, Pittsburgh and, and all over the place, so. Are you still doing
2: Pothouse 90? Uh, I have a new one that's in production, okay. and that's— You and your talented brother, Tony.
1: Yeah, Tony, he writes the music, um, and they're kind of like musical comedy radio plays. I do about one of them a year, and there's a new one that Tony's writing the music for now. And um, uh, and I also think I'm going to have a new book out pretty soon. Right. So, um, What's that about? That's going to be— It's going to be called How to Write Cheesy Movies, and it's going to be basically a parody of the Sid Field screenplay book. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Because the premise of it is I don't presume that I could teach anyone how to write a good movie, but after working at Mystery Science Theater for as long as I did, I think I can teach people how to write a bad one. I love that. So, um, and also uh, Tell Me Everything, and also my podcast, uh, Movie Sign with the Mads, that I do with Trace Bilyeu. And Carolina Hildago, and we, ju- we just talk about a movie every week. You are busy.
0: And, I, you've and got a lot book, of stuff going on. 25 Mystery Science Theater, 3,000 films that changed my life in no way whatsoever.
2: And the dedication of the book is very sweet, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah, because I, I dedicate it to the guys who did change my life or were the people that I worked with on Mystery Science Theater. And I would love to John. I, ter- I will. Who's a terrific guy? He's great. He's the best. We could go on
2: we for could. hours. For
1: hours. <laughs> we'll, next out. time,
2: we'll do an entire Sid Melton show.
1: I'd I love that. <laughs> I think um, on, on We'll the work ta- in
2: Sid Tomac from The Life of
1: Riley uh, I think I tweeted that uh, I was watching On the Town on Turner Classic Movies I think I tweeted that it's the best Sid Melton movie <laughs> 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 Just as I, I tweeted that the bandwagon was the best Herb grand movie Herb, her, oh, I love him <laughs> Well, he was on a lot of Supermans
2: Oh, a Herb, ton of them her, I always thought it was Herb Vigrand. Or whatever yeah. I might be pronouncing it wrong <laughs> You know wrong. this actor Oh, yeah I mean, It was always a villain in the color Superman episodes the yeah. ones that weren't uh, scary yes. Yeah,
1: he was in Superman. Always and all, a lame and old and villain. Also, every other thing that was ever done. Now, yes. what
0: was that Franken- no, Frankenstein? What was that Superman one where they they put like a, a face up in the sky? There was like some face on this on the George Reeves series. Yeah, you I got, remember it. Scary. Me stumped. Me throwing that again. one
2: out to the fans.
0: Yeah. and there was an episode of Superman. Where Superman is responsible for someone's death? I know yes. the one you're talking yes, about. Yes, I know In the that one
1: episode too. So scared the shit out of me. Is that I the was one? Scared. The guy, the guy comes and finds his secret identity. He finds his secret identity. It's I yes. think it's a couple, and he flies them to a remote mountain. Yes, he does. And then they tr- and he leaves them there, and he goes back to Metropolis, and then they try to climb down the mountain, and they are both killed. And yes. and it's one of those early, yeah. Very film noirish Superman episodes, which were different from the color. Very much. So. And when I was saw it as a kid, I thought it was just really scary. Me too. Can you believe Phyllis Coates is still alive? Is she really? She really is. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Phyllis Coates was the more film noir one. Yes. And yeah. then Noah Noel Neal, Neal was the more friendly, wholesome. more comic booky yeah. kind of. I never uh, cared for
2: the color
1: ones,
0: but the yeah, black and white ones
2: are good. The black and white ones up. are
1: really good. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And in one of the Supermans, they um they basically redid the they probably had it in their warehouse like the saucer uh, men oh yeah uh yeah. makeup well the mole men stuff is also creepy yeah that's it's
1: a very creepy weird they yeah. they released that as a movie i yeah. think yeah.
2: and um it still gives you
1: the the willies it, it a little does. bit it does it does yeah yeah
2: Shall we let this man go uh, on yes. with his life?
0: This I don't want to go another my hour, life,
1: but I will anyway.
0: This has <laughs> been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to Frank Conniff.
2: And we could keep talking to Frank Conniff yes. for days and days. Thanks for coming in and doing this, Thank us, you man. so
1: much for having me. It was a joy. Our fans will love this one. We'll i
2: we
4: LASA podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Our researchers are Paul Rayburn and Andrea Simmons. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, Nancy Chinchar, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Murray, John Fotiadis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.